Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. I just think that what Paul said is such a, a, an encouraging word, but it's also very an important word because we have to know um, why we're here. There's so many things, actually, that I was just so encouraged by. And, um, and it, is, it is a good encouragement to remember that we're not just here existing, but that God has a great plan for us. And um, sometimes it's so easy to forget that each of us, no matter who we are, where we come from, that God is wider, it's all so different. And, um, and it's so important that we know that God places us and where he places us, that it's very strategic. God is very strategic. And how he wires us and how he plans things and how he puts us in places and all of its ministry. And I just love what he said. I'm going to tell you what I just, I'm just going to actually repeat everything that Paul just said this morning. Uh, but I love actually just sharing the stories of people that are just, you know, just regular jobs. Because I do feel like so much of the time we, in the church, we create these spaces between the stage and the people. And it just seems like so unrealistic and it just feels like, oh, the people that are on the stage are doing the most important thing. And I'm like, no, actually, if we didn't have, you know, the people that make our glasses, we, we couldn't see. If we, didn't have the, if we didn't have the GPs, how many know the GPs? It's a ministry. It's a powerful ministry. The people that fix your car, you'll appreciate them when you yeah. need your car fixed. You know, all those things. But, but God strategically places us, um, you know, because he knows what we're good at, and what we'll be able to do to reach other people for him. So it's, it's just great encouragement. I'm very encouraged. So enough about me, and enough about me being encouraged. And I'm going to just share a bit. Actually, I'm going to build a bit on, on some things that Paul said. I want to talk about just being fully alive in Christ. And I'm, I'm really actually going to encourage us about being loved by God. And um, I think, to be honest, I think we so, um, you know, oftentimes... We get offered the gospels. We say yes to Christ, and um, and we kind of go quickly into church without living in the place that we're loved by a loving God. And it's just, I think we are, we are, um, especially some of the things that we're talking about. It's just so important that this is not something that we just have, you know, have happened to us once, but that that love is something that we fall in love all the time. How many know, you know, if you're married? You have to keep falling in love with the person that you're married to, right? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Don't look at your spouse. You know what I mean? But it's been so very true. So um, I want to encourage us about just living from this place and why we are here, why the church exists, and just being fully alive in that. I'm going to talk out of actually Ephesians chapter 3. And, um, and um, I want to just talk about the importance of actually remembering. I'm just finding myself here. Um, just remembering, you know, why we give our time, why we give our money, why we give our energy. I mean, your life is actually a picture of what you worship. What you worship is not just what we do corporately of what we just did a minute ago. What we worship is, is how we spend our money and our time and our energy that we give to God. Those are all acts of worship. Worship is a lifestyle. And so um, we want to know why we're here. Why do we give our time? Like, why are we doing this? And so I, I'm a big believer of actually, you know, remembering how loved I am by God and learning to live from that place. Very, very important. Because many times, um, you know, in fact, a sign of spiritual maturity is when you don't get pulled or swayed by the, the latest teaching. 
or the latest thing that just comes along or what's popular for the moment. How many know that's part of our culture that we live in? And so it's important that we know what we believe, why we believe it, and then why we're serving uh, Jesus. Very important. Um, so when my, my, I have two kids. I have a daughter, Cami Rose, who's married and um, is older. She's a school teacher. She's, she's a fantastic leader. She's, uh, she scares me. She's just got all those kids in line. Um, and, um, and I have a son who's almost 10 years younger, and his name's John. And when John was little, because both my kids have traveled on the road with me their whole life, and, um, and so there was points in their life where actually, you know, we decided to homeschool. Stupidest decision I ever made in my life. Not just for me, but for them. I was like, only one of us is going to get out of this alive. So, but when John was, um, when John was really little, so I mean, he was little. He was, it was probably like, I realized probably second grade, you know, which is primary, right, over here, that he needed a tutor because I actually forgot all the things that they're giving him to do. So I was like, by the time we got, that's not a very good sign, is it? So, um, but my boy is a talker. John's one of those kids, like, he's just so gifted. I'm not just saying this because I'm his mom. Let me just say that. This kid is just so gifted. He's so charismatic. He's led more people to the Lord than I, anybody else I know. He's just always, uh, you know, communicating with people. He can gather a room. He can walk into a room. He gathers everybody. He's, he's, he, he could just play five instruments without having no lessons. The kid can fix anything in my house. I mean, he's just one of those kids. But his main gift is just talking. Like, he came out talking. And all he does is talk. And so I, I would often hear John, who has big, red, ginger, curly hair. You know, so one, two, three, four, five years old. This big hair. And just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. My, my husband, who's the opposite. So if you get two words out of him in two weeks, that's really good. And... Um, <laughs> So all I would hear is John talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And then Sean, my husband, saying, that's right, son. That's right, son. And then like two weeks later, right? So I'm homeschooling John, and I'm teaching him uh, something in science. And John goes, no, 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 Mom. So he's, he's probably around second or third grade. He's like, no, 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 Mom, that's not right. He goes, this is actually what it is. So I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to John, and he's telling about this whole thing about science and how amazing it is and, and how this happens. And when this happens, it creates this over here. And I'm, I'm in it. Like, I'm like, really? That's amazing. I mean, and he's talking probably for a good 10 minutes because that's what he loves to do. And his love language is that we listen. So he's just talking away. He's talking away. And all of a sudden, <laughs> my husband, Sean, walks by the room, and he goes, you do realize that none of what he's saying is actually true, right? <laughs> and I, but I was in it. I was there. I believe, I'm believing, you know, the kid that's six years old. So there's something about kind of knowing what we believe and why we believe it, right? And so I'm going to talk out of Ephesians. I'm going to just talk about being fully alive in Christ, what that looks like. Really, this, would, this, is, a, this is a chapter. This is a picture you know, where Paul's actually talking to the church in Ephesus. It's a picture of words, what it means to, to be fully alive uh, in Christ. Let me just read this to you just for context. If you have your Bible, pull it out. Because I'm a big, so let me say this about church, actually. I'm like, bring your Bible to church. I don't care if you turn it on, but bring your Bible to church. I'm old school. I'm like, bring, I love, my Bible's like my 
diary, this is, which is almost scary, don't steal my Bible, because I've had that happen before. Can you believe that? I'm like, how can you actually reconcile in your head stealing somebody's Bible? But it's been stolen. Anyways, bring your Bible to church, because the thing is you learn more. You learn more when you follow along. Are you with me? Okay, so Ephesians chapter 3, this is Paul. Let me just read this, starting in verse 20, uh, 14. He says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. Now just, just imagine right now this is being said over you. This is being spoken into you. He's saying that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this is the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, this, now listen to this, how powerful this is. Verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or we can even imagine according to his power that is, in work, is at work in us. That is so, such a good promise that really basically is just taking what Paul said. And this is a great thing about Christ. He is the great creator, but he still creates. And there's so many things that God can create in our life that we can't even imagine. We can't even come up with. We can't even fix ourselves. How many know we make a lot of messes with our lives? And the promise here is it's almost like it's this, this picture of God's power to us, but also the importance of in God's power, there's this love that resonates within us. And from that place, and when we, lived, when we learn to live from that place, we begin to see things that we would not see otherwise. So I'm a big believer on expectation. Like if, if you believe for nothing, you're probably, that's probably what you're going to encounter. You know what I mean? Expectations. We so all the time, we lower our expectations. There's nothing in the scriptures that talk about lowering your expectations about God. It's all about God can do way more. God sees more. He's all sovereign. There's so many things that we don't get because we don't ask. So Paul's saying here to be fully alive. In fact, this, this whole chapter is really about everything, about how much we're loved, what God has done in our behalf, that God has blessed us as his church uh, with every spiritual blessing that God has chosen you. To, how many know God's picked you? That he's chosen you, that he's picked you, that he's graced us, that he's gifted us, that he's accepted us, that he's blessed us. Two times it talks about that he's lavished, which is basically just putting on and being entrenched in the love of God. Two times it talks about that. God's love to us being revealed, the great mystery of Christ. This is really all of Ephesians, that once we were dead, but now we're alive. So how many know? I mean, sometimes the church is the walking dead. Like we've actually gone through... I've never seen that show, by the way. <laughs> I hate, I'm, I, I'm in the ministry. I see that stuff all the time. I don't need to watch it. Um, <laughs> it's really true. Is that not true? I mean, we went through the season with the church, more in the charismatic church, where everybody's trying to raise the dead. Like the highest goal of ministry is to raise the dead. Now just think about this for a minute. Because we think that's a greater thing, right? Because we think miracles, we're going to get from this to that. We're going to heal headaches. We're going to get from the headaches. We're going to get to diabetes. Then we're going to get to cancer. And then we're going to raise the dead. That's the highest goal. No, 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 no. 
like our expectations are man-made expectations. And they're so often outside of what God is doing and what God wants to do in and through you. And this is what I say about raising the dead. Anyways, I'm like, if I die, don't bring me back. Leave me alone. Just let me go. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not the highest goal. There's so much that God has for us, and there's so much that God wants to do through us. So John 3, 16, classic verse. For God so loved us that he gave. So God loves. To love is to give. That's what love is. It's together. Everything about God is that he gives to us. Everything in God's kingdom is set up so that you learn how to receive from God. So salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift. Gifts are gifts. So this is why so many people struggle, actually, with encountering God in different ways is because they have a hard time receiving from a father. They have a hard time receiving that God would actually give them good things. But God has actually set up his entire kingdom that we can't do anything without receiving it first. He wants us to go to him. He wants us to receive from him. He wants, a, he wants us to be loved on time and time again. It's just who he is. It's how he set everything up. That's how much that he loves us. And so falling in love has to happen all the time. We have to be enmeshed in that. We have to have God's lavish love upon us. So here's Paul, and here's classic Paul, where he's saying, I'm praying for you, which I love. He's like, I'm praying for you. I want you to do well. You know, grace and peace be to you. It's the very words of Paul. Paul's desire to the people is that, that they would catch the most important message of the time. There's a lot of messages out there. There's a lot of things that, they, that we hear that we think are important. Paul, being the leader that he was, and this is really why the leaders, the, the mothers and the fathers of the church have to say, listen, let's just get back to what's important. What is the most important message of right now? Gospel, right? The most important message is the gospel message, which is the saving power of Jesus Christ that he came because he loves us. That's it. And so living from that place. So here, Paul, the great persecutor of the church, Paul, who killed all of the Christians who went after anybody who believed in Christ. Great. The great persecutor of the, he was a powerful man. Paul, actually, before, um, before meeting God, you know, his name uh, was Saul, which means asked of God. And I think, man, that's I, only Jesus can do this. Paul, asked of God, which is what his name translated means, Saul. Asked of God. And I think, how many people actually asked God to get Saul before Saul became Paul? How many people, now just think about this for a minute. If somebody was in town killing off your friends... If somebody was actually taking out your family, then you, I would be asking of God, but I would be asking God to get him. Yeah. This is where Paul and I are on the same page. Just get him. I love Old, Old Testament prayer sometimes. I'm like, Lord, can we just actually go back to the Old Testament, open the ground, and then close it back up? <laughs> just pray for people. Like, I want people to meet you, but can they meet you and then meet you? I pray that all the time. So, anyways, here's Paul. <laughs> Stay with me. I've only had one cup of coffee today. <laughs> but here's, he's a powerful man. And here God comes along, knocks him off his horse. And all of a sudden, you know, this encounter, this is what God encounters do. 
They change us. They change our identity. They change our name. It changes our DNA. It changes so many things about us. And Paul, Saul, which is asked of God, then becomes Paul, which means little one. That's, that's what God does. When we encounter God, he just reminds us of who we are. He reminds us of where we came from. How many know we actually have to remember where we came from? Sometimes we can be in the church so long, we forget where we were. And we, for, we forget how God saved us. We forget how God has rescued us. How many know God has rescued us? How many know God has rescued us more than once? Like, it's a daily thing. How many things? I remember years ago, I was so mad at the Lord, actually. And when I drive, I talk to the Lord. So I look a bit nutty. But it's one of the ways that I... Um, I, I just like driving, and I like driving alone, and I like talking to the Lord when I'm driving because it's one of my outlets, so to speak. And I was really upset with the Lord, to be honest, because I, we had gone through something as a family, and I had felt like the Lord had not protected us. And I was, I was talking to the Lord about it, but I was talking about it in a way not, I wouldn't say disrespectfully, but I was, I was very firm, and in, 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 in I was communicating. And I was saying, I, you know, I just don't understand, Lord, why you, you've allowed this to happen. Why didn't you protect our family? And really clear, the Lord said to me, you know what, Christy, you have no idea what I protect you from. Yeah. I thought, you know what, I actually don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to know what, I, what you protect me from because there's so many things that are going on that we have no idea. And so many times we forget that God is actually encountering us all the time, protecting us all the time, covering us all the time, rescuing us all the time. Why? Because he loves us. That's why. Because he loves us and he saved us and he's always moving. That's what God encounters do. It changes how we see things. When we encounter God, like the Apostle Paul, it changes not only how we see ourselves, like a bit of what Paul talked about, but how we see God, which is so very important of how we see God. Because the truth is, if you, don't, if you don't trust God, you won't go to God. You won't ask him for things. You won't ask him to use you. You won't ask him to intervene in your family. So you see in Paul's letters this humility that, that he comes down to, this place of where all, he begins to talk about you know, the things of his struggle, the things of his suffering, the things of his hardship, you know, being a man towards the end of his life you know, with having a clear conscience. First and Second Timothy talks about, I mean, that's really phenomenal, getting the end of your life and being beaten, being shipwrecked, being ridiculed, being abandoned, actually, by the very people that you give your life to. And Paul says, I have a clear conscience. No bitterness. No unforgiveness. That is amazing. And that's why we need to have these God encounters, because God encounters remind us why we do what we do and who our God is. So very important. And Paul's always saying, I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys. I want you to succeed. So very important. That's what it looks like to encounter God. Spurgeon said this. He said, when we encounter God, he said, this change is radical. This changes everything. It makes us love what we once hated and hate what we once loved. That's what it is to encounter God. All of a sudden, the things of this world, they don't taste so good. All of a sudden, the things that, you know, we've given ourselves to, it's just not as fun anymore. And it makes us love. This is the love of God. It, it helps us and it equips us and it empowers us to love what Jesus loves. And at the end of the day, we as the church, whether we like it or not, we have to learn what God loves and what God hates. Because when we fall in love with him, we begin to love the things that he loves, which is always people, by the way, right? 
most, more, more, more than anything else. And that's why it talks about that nothing can separate us from the love of God. This love is so powerful. There's no angel. There's no demon. There's nothing actually coming at you right now in your life that has more power than God. So one of the things I have to always remind myself, had to do it all day, again yesterday, that, that no matter what I'm in, nothing can get bigger than God. And a problem is never a problem to God because he's always the answer. When we get in trouble, it's because what we're walking through is bigger than who God is. Let me say that again. When you let the things of your life become bigger than the God in your life, then those are the things that end up consuming you. God is all, he's over all of it. That all surpassing love of God. It's so very important. And it takes us, honestly, this is just the gospel message, the simplicity of the gospel message, that we as the church, we are loved to love. That's it. We're loved people. And from the place of being loved, that we love other people. So I don't think the first question actually is, do you love God? The first question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we know how much God loves us? If you know how much God loves you, if you know how God is so, he's so for you. He is so for you. Success is God's idea. He wants you to be successful. God wants you to live in freedom. God came so that you'd be set free. Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7, actually Romans, actually living in freedom. That he came so that we would not only live free, but we would be set free, and then we would help others become free. That's our call of the church. It's love to us. And so that thing of falling in love over and over again is so very important that we know how much God loves us, the power of love to us. There's a, a famous um, uh, father of, of psychology. His name was Abraham Maslow, and he studied this area of love in people for many, many years, actually. He was known for it. And he said this. He said, there are five human needs each person must have in order to live a healthy prosperous life. Two of those have to do with knowing one is loved. And he also said, where one lacked knowing or experiencing love affected people, not only emotionally, but also physically. Like that's the power of of just being loved by a good God. Like it literally affects our body. It affects our mind. It affects us physically. When you actually believe that that you are unloved and that you're not worthy enough, it affects how you live. It affects, that's why Psalm 23, that's why, uh, or Proverbs 4, whatever it is, that talks about that we lean not into our own understanding. And it talks about trusting God because God is so trustworthy. He's trustworthy. And that when we do that, it actually brings healing to our bones. Do you know that? It literally heals our body. When we know that we're loved and that we can trust God. It doesn't mean we're going to understand everything. It doesn't mean we're going to understand everything. Because most things this side of heaven, we will never understand. Understanding in the kingdom of God is a luxury. It's a luxury. If you have to understand everything, you're going to be so frustrated. Because most things this side of heaven, first of all, if you understood everything, you've just made yourself God. The way God moves and the way God, you know, allows, whatever it is, it's because he, he has our best interests at heart. And it's always coming from that place of love. That's why John 15 is so very powerful when it talks about that we walk this out by remaining, by abiding, by being, in, you know what I mean? Every connected, 
connected to the Father, connected to the Son, connected to the person of the Holy Spirit, and learning to live from that place. That whole John 15 chapter, which talks about the love of God, and it's from the place of love that we stay connected. And the word love there is the most powerful interpretation of the word love that comes from the word agapeo. And it's all-consuming. It means every part. It's the deepest of loves. It's the most extravagant love, agapeo. That's how God loves you. He loves every bit of who you are. Like, you need to hear this this morning because this is actually the call of the church. The call of the church is not about signs and wonders. The call of the church is, are we going to love each other? Because love is so attractive. Love is so attractive. If, if you pray for me, I love that. I think that's really nice. But if you love me, that changes my life. That's why I talked about kindness. Kindness changes people's lives. Too many people feel unloved. Do you realize that? Most people feel unworthy and most people feel unloved. So we're loved to love. That's the per- perfect picture of what God has given to us and why he keeps reminding us of it all the time because it's so very important. So in John, we find this, that from the place of love, that he begins to talk about that from this place, we learn to live that. And John says this, he says, I pray that you prosper. And he says, I pray that you prosper and that you be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So here it talks about in Ephesians, we're talking about our inward man, that we would know the power of Christ, the very power of Christ. Inward out, your spirit man. How many know, like our spirit man, we're called to grow in that area. That's, that's called to be strengthened. You're supposed to grow up in your spirit man. So how many know your soul gets redeemed? It's you know, all through eternity. Or eternity our, so, our soul is constantly being restored. That's an ongoing process, by the way. Psalm 23, that's an ongoing thing where God is restoring our soul because we're in battle. How many know we're in battle? So our soul has to keep getting restored. And then how many know the good news, the very, very, very good news that we're all going to get a new body one day? That's, you know, right? Okay. okay. But in the meantime, you have a responsibility to strengthen your soul, your inward man, your, your spirit man, so to speak, and that God is actually empowering you. We read that actually John the Baptist in Luke uh, chapter one, where it talks about that, that the child grew and he became strong in spirit. We find that even Jesus in his life in 240, Luke 240, as the child grew and he became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom of God, and the grace of God was upon him. So strong in spirit. We don't start there, but that's where we want to end up. Like you want to strengthen your inner man. That's a part of it, a, a bit of kind of talking about growing up last week. Both John the Baptist and Jesus were in public ministry till they were in their 30s. This is actually like investing things in your life that you can actually draw from down the road. You're strengthening yourself, right? How many know where you are right now is not where you want to end up? It's not where we want to end up. We want to keep growing. We want to get stronger. We want to, the thing is, there's something to this because you see people that actually last, you know, like one of the most powerful things, one of the most, I think for me personally, a powerful thing is when I see somebody that has, has followed Jesus for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, they still love Jesus. They still show up at church. They still, you know what I mean? It's a beautiful, they wear it. That's what strong in spirit is. There's actually quite a few of you in this church, which I I said to Sim 
last night, which I absolutely love because I'm not going to look at you. I'm not saying you're old. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that we need you because you're modeling what it looks like to be steady and to be firm and actually to become strengthened in Christ. And you need other people around you that have been there, done that, and can say you're going to make it through it. Like just hang in there. That's what it means to strengthen your spirit, man. If it happened for Jesus, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to do it ourselves. That's why when people say, well, you know, um, I don't think a Christian can be demonized. Well, first of all, I think a Christian can have whatever they want. That's personally my view. And, but I also believe that, that we actually, when we grow and we make the choice to grow, that actually God is doing those works in us that we would not see otherwise. But also there are things that, are, that, that get formed in us that when we need it just at the right time, God begins to bring those things to the surface. So again, Ephesians talking about the powerful word of God over us from the place of love that God empowers us. And he says this, which is, this is how we know that we're growing in our inner being. He says that you're rooted and you're established in love. That's when you know you're growing. That's when you know that you're becoming stronger. That's when you know that you're living from the right place. The word rooted, it comes from the word rizio, and it means to cause, to strike root. It means to strengthen your roots. It means that literally the deepest parts of who you are. How many know the best work that God does in you is hidden? Nobody can like it on Facebook or whatever. The best work that God does in us is hidden. It's all of those, this, to strengthen who you are is to say yes to God when nobody's looking and when it costs the, great, the greatest and nobody, you know, de, you know, even understands. So to be rooted means to be strengthened in your roots. It means to make firm. It means to establish. I love that word. I love that God establishes us. It's like setting us up. So no matter what we get hit at in life, that we're just going to stay firm. We're going to be established for where we're at. And it also means to be thoroughly grounded. How many want to be grounded in this life? We want to be grounded no matter what happens. And established, it comes from the word, and it means to lay a foundation. And here it is. It means to make you stable. We live in an unstable world. And no matter how unstable the world is, no matter how fractured the world gets, God is never fractured. And we as the church can't become fractured. We need to do what God's called us to do. We align ourselves with God and what God is saying over us and the church, what Paul talked about. The promises of God is that he establishes you and then he makes you stable. That's a powerful thing. Do you realize that that this is actually a a true thing? Most people are afraid they're going to go crazy. It it, it happens to all of us, by the way. Everybody's like, I don't want to look. Everybody in this room... At one time or another, it's felt like I'm going to lose my mind. This is just too much. I can't do this. I'm going to lose my mind. The promise of God over your life is that he will stabilize you. And the truth is, you know, when people come to me, especially now, I work with a lot with mental health. And, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to go crazy. I'm afraid I'm going to go crazy. I'm afraid. Crazy people don't think that way. Crazy people are never afraid of going crazy. It's only (laughs) to be, that's the truth. And the promise, actually, is that no matter what, because we all have stuff, whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, whether it be spiritually, that we're having to work through, the promise that God establishes us, because this is just the short part of our life. You have to remember that. This is just a short part of our life. 
that God establishes us, but he also stabilizes us. I pray that over myself all the time. Lord, just stabilize me. Just remember where to live from. Stabilize me. Because I know that actually, how many know this is really true? If you know, like if you're living your life from this place, what Paul's talking about here, what Luke's talking about, becoming strong in spirit. If you're living your life in light of eternity, which is forever, and this is just a little bit of what we're living this side of heaven, I can put up with a little bit of pain over here if I know there's an end to it. And too much of the time, we, we encounter stuff, and we get all over the place, and we forget that God stabilizes us because we're living from this place. This is temporary. This is momentary. That's why Paul says momentary problems. When you're in it, it feels like it's forever. But it's not forever. There's an end to it. So we have to learn to put up with a little temporary discomfort, a little bit of inconvenience, a little bit of pain, but it's not our forever. It is not our forever. That's the greatest promise. What Paul was talking about here in Revelations 21 where it talks about that all things that aren't right, God is going to make it right. It's all going to be right. Everything that we've been through. Now just think about your life for a minute. Do you see how powerful that is? Everything, every injustice that we're seeing, everything that we live through that is traumatizing and horrible and horrific and painful, and we're like, God, where are you? God has already said he will undo it all and he will make it right. I don't know how he's going to do it. That's why he's God and I'm not. But he's going to make it right in your life. So learning to live from this place of eternity is very important. Don't get stuck in the temporary. Amen? Very true. So... Learning to strengthen ourselves from the Lord. The power of what God has given to us. This, this love that God surrounds us, that we're rooted in it. We're rooted in that love. We're established in that love. We're stabilized in that love. So very important. And here's the thing, because one of the things, like the, the Lord's walked me through several things. But one thing in particular is that many times in following God, especially from, you know, we're led by our spirit man, spirit to spirit, Romans chapter five, the children of God are led by the spirit of God. It's your spirit man. That's why if you, if you follow the Lord with your head, you're in trouble. It's your spirit man that, that follows after God. It's that thing inside of you that doesn't, you don't, you don't understand it all. You just have a peace about it. That's your spirit man. How many of you had that happen? So I've, you know, walked through many things, but especially the last couple years where where my heart, my spirit man, will lead me places where my head just doesn't get it. I just don't get it. I can't wrap my head around what God's asking me to do. I don't know, you know, and it could be, I, why, are, why are you at this church? Why has God called you to these people? Why has God brought these people into my life? Why am I working here? It could be anything. Many times when God is strengthening us, now remember, we're rooted and established in the very love of Jesus. So wherever he leads us, he's leaving us to and for love. It's always in love. It's always to freedom. That's who God is, right? You get, are you with me? Okay. But, but many times God will lead you and it will not make any sense in the natural. It's not going to, and if you have to figure it all out with your head, you're just going to drive yourself mad. Because the truth is, most of the things that God leaves us into, we do not understand. And they don't make sense. And, and sometimes they do later on down the road. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, God, that, thank you so much that you saved, saved me from that, right? Th- think about, now just think about your life for a minute. If, you, if God answered all your prayers, like, what if you married that person from high school? 
if you did, then good. But, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? There's so many things that we pray for that God protects us from. And if we just allow our spirit man to get strengthened and we trust that more and more, God will lead us into the places, not just for us to love on us, but also to love on the people around us. And that's the power that God equips us with as the church. And I'm just telling you that in that place is where God brings his stabilizing power. He stabilizes us wherever he leads us. So there's two promises here, verse 19 and 20. One, it talks about verse 19, that you'll be full, filled with the fullness of God. Now, this is just so much in itself, that we encounter the king of glory, the king of all kings, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, that we would encounter the fullness of God. Now, that's a high expectation. So think about your life right now and think about where any area of your life, you're not even reaching for the fullness of what God has for you in it because you're afraid of it or whatever it is. And God say, no, the fullness of who I am is what I'm leading you into. The fullness of what God wants to do in your life. The fullness of what God wants to do in your family. Whether or not it looks like it right now is not the point. The point is that's God's promise over us. And if God says it, it is. If God says something over you, it is. There is no, if, there is no, this is where we get messed up. If God says it, it is. That's the difference between us and God, one of the many differences. When we say something, it's sort of like, well, maybe I'll be there. <laughs> but when God says it, it is. The fullness of God in you, the fullness of, of who he is, the fullness of what he has for you. Verse 20, that God is able to do more than all we can ask. In other words, there's not either, even anything in your life that you can ask that you even know what to ask because you don't even know what to do. You don't even know what it's about. You don't even know what it looks like. You don't even know what it's supposed to look like. That's how much God has for you. So look at your prayer life and see if it matches that. Is my prayer life matching the fullness of wh what God has for me right now and where God's leading me? And am I really believing that God loves me enough? Because this is the, the truth. When you know that you're loved and you're, when you're cared for and you're protected, you will trust and you will take risks in things that you would never take risks in otherwise. That's the power of love. When you know that you're loved by someone and they're caring for you, then you'll expose yourself. There's an intimacy in that that takes place. And that's what God is saying, that there's so many things that God has. Do you realize that I love what Paul did today, which by the way, I felt that this morning when we came in, I was like, thank you, Paul, for doing that. Is that for, for uh, Sim and Lottie and the church here, that God wants to do even more than what you guys can imagine. So stop trying to figure it out what that looks like and just say yes to God and allowing his spirit to lead you. And he will lead you into the fullness of that. Don't lower your expectations. Don't compare yourself with anything else. Walk in whatever it is that God has called you. The word fullness here, it literally means the power and the agency and the riches of Jesus Christ. God, that's powerful. That's what God leads us into. To be full of God is to be full of God's presence. The power of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I love that. And you know what fights this? Is a bit of what I said last night. Self stuff will always fight this thing. It'll always cause us to settle for the counterfeit. How many know there's always a counterfeit to the real thing? 
There's always a counterfeit. There's even a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. So this is costly. Love is costly. God could have sent anyone. God could have, he could have done anything, but he sent his son. Love is costly. Sacrifice is costly. That's why I believe the greatest risk in the kingdom of God in the coming years will be to love. That's why it's the mark of the church. And it's not we as the church, John 17. It's not we as the church that go around or post things and say, look what's happening. The church is this. We're so amazing. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not opposed to that stuff. But it's not what the church says about the church. John 17 says the world will actually tell us as the church how we're doing. And one of the ways that we know that we're loving really well is that we're giving ourselves to people, and here's the kingdom in a nutshell, that you and I learn to give ourselves to people who don't even know how to love us back. That's why it's so costly. Loving, Praying for somebody, frankly, is pretty easy, because you can pray and then you can leave, right? But to love somebody, what you're basically doing is you're saying, I'm going to be vulnerable to you, because how many know you cannot influence who you don't become vulnerable to? Love is costly, because basically I'm saying... This is, this is why the church is, is called to be this powerful. Because love is saying, listen, listen, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to give myself to you. And if you take advantage of that, that's okay. I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still accept you. That's the power of love. That's why it will always be the highest risk in the kingdom. Because we cannot influence and we cannot change what we don't first love. So just simply going back to how much God loves us, how he's for us, how he's rescued us, and what God has done for us, that is the only reason, that is the only way that we can love this community. That is the only way that we can give ourselves to this community. That is the only way that we can be around irritating people that take advantage of us all the time. You know, I'm not talking about, because I do believe in wisdom. I, I, I believe... I believe this. You want to be open to people. You want to love people. You want to, you want to be open, but you don't want to be so open that your brains fall out. So there is, a, there is a, an, a wisdom with that. But the love and the power of love to, to people, to, to us first, and then through us is the most powerful gift of the church. And when we just get back to honestly stop arguing and stop telling everybody how to live their life and just love each other, that's when the world will say, hey, I like that. That I can be a part of. If I'm accepted there, if I, I, that I want to do. That's why the first church in Acts grew so fast because they were focusing on just hearing the teaching and loving each other and encouraging each other and you know, giving to one another in need. And that's attractive. Nobody's like, hey, I just, I really, really, really need to go to church church today because I so need to hear what's wrong with me. I just, I need a list of what's not right in my life. No, for the most part, there's always a few that don't get it, but for the most part, people know what's wrong with them. What they need to know is that they're loved by a loving God. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.